Spoilers, spoilers, spoiler season with us. New cards. Welcome back to season two of Spoiler Season. Ether Revolt. We're looking at cards. Yeah, I guess it's like season one, part two, if we're using the the block format. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, so we have uh, cards from Ether Revolt. Um, just to kind of outline what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the cards from Ether Revolt that have been spoiled up to this point. Um, this point being before. Uh, spoilers come out on Monday when we're recording this. We'll be posting one podcast each day, reviewing the spoilers of uh, the previous morning, uh, is the plan. So uh, with that, let's, let's jump in. We're going to jump into uh, some of the cards that were spoiled for the game day promos. Uh, so Yeheni's Expertise is Black Black 2 Sorcery. All creatures get minus 3, minus 3 until end of turn. You may cast a card with converted mana cost 3 or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. What do you think of this one? This looks amazing. I mean, so I definitely think it's standard playable. We haven't had a nice board wipe like this. This is like better than Flaying Tendrils, which saw some play just because we didn't always have something better. And like a little bit less powerful than Languish because it's minus three, minus three. But the fact that you can play another card this turn, it's not just a board wipe. You wipe the board, hopefully, and then you're getting ahead or doing something else value. Yeah, I I think that a lot of these cards that were decided as a recurring theme you're going to hear is that for standard, at least, these need to be evaluated in the context of a a metagame. And normally that's not a huge issue. Usually it's, oh, you got some mid-range decks, whatever, combo, aggro, control, etc. This season, though, is a little bit has been a little strange, right, with Etherworks Marvel. Yeah. Um, and there have been a lot of aggro decks uh, to kind of uh, try to attack that strategy. But that strategy is just still so good. pretty much the best. Um, so Yeheni's Expertise, I really like. Uh, when it was first spoiled, I was thinking, oh, this would go great in green-black Delirium. And then... Black Green Delirium just fell off the map because it <laughs> dies to Aetherworks Marvel. Uh, this is even, you know, it's fine against the vehicles decks and the aggro decks, um, but it, it doesn't actually hit vehicles, right? Right. Um, but I, I do I do like it nonetheless uh, for standard, and I'm sure it will see standard play. Uh, I'm just, I'm still kind of haunted by this standard format, and I'm hoping that they come up with something that moves the format away from just turn four Emrakuls because it's not not super fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd have to be something pretty dramatic to be better than turn four Emrakul. I don't think so. I think that, like, you can beat a turn four Aetherix Marble if they just print, like... Uh, I mean, so we had, like, uh, we're looking at Collected Company, right? Collected Company was a garbage card until <laughs> they started printing things like um, Spell Queller and Reflector Mage later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that pushed Collected Company into being not just playable, but one of the best cards in the format. Um, and I think that Aetherworks Marvel is one of these kinds of cards that is very powerful because there's no way to really attack it. There's no good general answer. If they printed Pithing Needle, we'd be done. Like, Aetherworks Marvel would, would largely go away um, just because it's so powerful to be able to pay a one-mana spell that just shuts down Aetherworks Marvel. In addition to, you can attack other decks with it, right? Copter and Gideon and so on. You know, in standard, in standard we'll have to see. I'm sure it will find uh, a niche in standard because it's probably the best sweep, definitely the best sweeper that we have right now. Um, and any kind of control deck is probably going to want this. Uh, the appeal of going Yeheni's Expertise into Liliana or Yeheni's Expertise into... Something that kills the Copter you left behind. Sure, sure, exactly. Uh, it would, would be really nice. 
Um, in modern, I think we have to mention in modern as well that this can cast split cards with fuse. Uh. Um, so you can do things. The thing that uh, has been going around is you know you cast Henny's expertise minus three minus three and then catch uh, cast catch and release, which uh, lets you put four birds into play and then draw four cards. Or you cast this and then cast uh, ancestral vision from your hand. Um, I think that these kinds of cards, or even breaking an entry where you mill eight and then put a gristlebrand onto the battlefield. I think that those are powerful things to talk about doing, but you need to have them in a deck. Mm. And catch and release is not a castable card, and that's that's certainly not you know the death knell in and of itself. Uh, you know, just kind of carry runs Emrakul and can't really cast Emrakul, so you know whatever. But I think that usually uh, more controlling decks are going to be wanting to cast all of their spells and not just one, which is why I think the most promising thing is Yehenny's expertise plus ancestral, but. I think, especially if we see more of these, you may cast cards, convert mana cost three or less for free. I think that maybe we're, we'll, we can see shells emerge that take better advantage of fused cards. Uh, and it, I suspect it might not actually be catch and release, it might be uh, breaking an entry in, instead. Um, but uh, only time will, will tell. Yeah. So, speaking of cards that allow you to cast other cards with converted mana cost three or less, this won't work for the fuse card, dual, whatever those cards are called. But uh, next we have Trophy Mage, blue 2 for a 2-2, Human Wizard. When Trophy Mage enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost 3 or less. Reveal it, put no, it in your hand. just 3. Oh, 3, exactly 3. Mm, okay. Reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So, yeah, and this one you're not casting it either. Right, it, it goes into your hand. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. This card is also um, contextually good. Like, they need to print... <laughs> it purely hinges on, do we have a, a, a card that has a convert mana cost of three that's an artifact that we want to go get? Um, right now, the like the only thing I can think of is the Pilgrim's Eye has a convert mana cost <laughs> of three. Other than that, I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to wait and see on this one. I think that it's definitely... just It's just efficient. Like, you get to go... Pay, I mean, Pilgrim's Eye sees play right now, right? Partially sure that's because it's an artifact. Pilgrim's Eye lets you fetch up a land from your deck and put it into your hand. So it's just, you know, this pure card advantage that kind of leads a, uh, leaves a body behind, which is nice. So Trophy Mage does something very similar. I could see maybe you are in a combo-centric shell and you're looking for Scrap Trawler, which is the next card we're going to talk about to get your combo engine going or something like that. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see what, what three-mana artifacts. I feel like uh, if you're looking to brew this card, go to the gatherer function and just put in cmc3 artifacts and see what comes up and try to find something to build around but it's a nice utility card um in modern i don't think that this is too great i don't think it gets i mean it gets like swords i guess but uh swords don't see a ton of play in modern so i don't think that that is you know gonna be gonna be too great but you know it's a card to keep in keep in mind that i can do this because it's uh, definitely a very powerful thing to be able to do so our next card is scrap trawler Three mana, three two. It's an artifact creature. Uh, whenever Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand, target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. Again, we're just seeing a lot of cards with good value, right? The great thing about this is that it's not just that it sees itself dies, it sees all artifacts die, and they don't even have to be creatures. So, you know, if you have Puzzle Knots, for instance, I, I don't think this would see play in Netherworks Marvel, but. Even things like Puzzle Knots that go to the graveyard are going to trigger and go get something else for you. Yeah, I think that this could be a, a piece in a combo-ish engine. 
where when this card dies, you go back and get another piece, and you play that and get another piece, and you can kind of loop through. Um, it, and like you said, it just provides a ton of value if you're able to keep this on board. The, the, the downside is that this is a creature. So, right. you know, if you try to start going off, they can just grasp it in response and kill it. Uh, and like, yeah, then you're going to get some other card back, but it can't get itself back, which is, is unfortunate. Right. if um, you need that ability on the field. But I mean, even if you just, if you need it to like, get some value if you're being an aggressive artifacts deck this is a three two it's pretty aggressive yeah i just I, my concern about it is that the th the card that this comes to mind when i see this artifact creature three two is scrap heap scrounger which is two mana for a three two whereas right. this only co this costs uh three mana instead so i think that if you are an aggressive deck or a deck that maybe is just interested in like killing your opponent i don't think you want this even though it does provide some value just because Scrap, this is just too slow. A three mana, three two is not, I don't think, good enough. Yeah, I, I know it's slow. I'm thinking of it more, not so much for the aggressive aspect, but for the like staying power because that can be a problem for aggressive decks. So if your cards are dying and they're coming back, I mean, so obviously Scrap Heap Scrounger doesn't have a problem. You can just pay for it to come back. But if there are other aggressive artifacts that you can't get back by themselves, this is a nice way to, I don't know, put some pressure. I was thinking of it in the opposite way, where mm. if I am playing against an aggressive deck, this is a really good blocker. Um, if oh, I can yeah. curve out and like play a one or two mana artifact creature that's a blocker, uh, artifact version of Thraven Inspector, maybe some like <laughs> one two that provides a little bit of value when it comes in and it's an artifact. Uh, I block with that, it goes to the graveyard. Later on, I play Scrap Trawler, trade with something, and get back my previous play. Then on turn four, I can deploy multiple threats, or maybe even Gehenny's Expertise, and then deploy a whatever threat I just got back would be nice. Yeah, I just I just think the body is is weak. 3-2 is not good for 3 mana. Uh, you need to be, I think, going pretty hard into whatever combo you're, you're building here to make sure. this good. Yeah. Next up is Quicksmith Rebel. Uh, this looks like it's going to be a cycle. We currently just have the red and blue Quicksmiths, but we'll look at those today and, you know, the next as they come out. So this is red 3 for 3-2, three Human Artificer. When Quicksmith Rebel enters the battlefield, target artifact you control gains tap. This artifact deals two damage to target creature or player for as long as you control Quicksmith Rebel. Um, the blue Quicksmith is Quicksmith Spy. Blue three for a two three human artificer. When Quicksmith Spy enters the battlefield, target artifact you control gains tap. Draw a card for as long as you control the spy. So these are pretty fun. Um, I mean, the moment they come down... As, as long as they enter the battlefield, you should get some value out of it. But four mana is a lot, and, and their bodies aren't that resilient. I mean, this 3-2, the red one, like, just trades or dies with anything. The blue one's a little bit more staying power, but three toughness is pretty easy to kill. So what I like about these is that uh, unless the opponent kills it in response to its enter the battlefield trigger, so if I cast Quicksmith Rebel Resolves, immediately kill it. Then this these cards are going to get value as long as like I mean you're not putting them in a, a shell where you don't have artifacts that are kind of sitting around so I'm going to assume you have artifacts on the battlefield so I play Quicksmith Rebel um, I immediately get to deal two damage to something it's probably going to kill a creature right so I'm going to be able to have this ETB kill a weak riddle creature or ETB and then draw a card off the blue one um, to me the other promising element of this is uh, we saw Seth Manfield do really well with a Panharmonicon deck mm -hmm. and. Panharmonicon will double the Quicksmith uh, abilities, where I can have this enter the battlefield, and I can give Panharmonicon the ability to tap and do something, and I can give my, I don't know, Smuggler's Copter, my Clue, the ability to tap and do something. And I think that that kind of value 
is insane is that I can pay four mana to deal four damage to a creature and have a 3-2 body left behind. And then if they don't deal with it during their turn, they, it, I do it again next turn. I think that these cards are actually pretty good. Um, and I think that we could see these uh, get played in standard. I recognize that four mana uh, is a little bit hefty um, and they, they do have bodies that are on the weaker side. But I think in a totally value-oriented deck like Panharmonicon, where you're not playing creatures for their bodies, you're just playing them for continuously churning out value, I think that these cards are, are nice additions to that. And it, it, you know, Quicksmith Rebel might justify a red splash into the deck. Yeah. I guess my concern is, I mean, even in a Panharmonicon deck, if you don't have Panharmonicon on the field... Are you happy to draw this? Yeah, I'm paying right now in Panharmonicon, right? I'm paying five mana for a 2-2 that draws two cards. It flies. Uh, instead, I could pay four mana for a 2-3 uh, that draws me one card um, and is repeatable, right? If they yeah. don't kill it right away. And in a deck like that, it's hard because you don't want to kill their stupid little, you know, their little cloud blazer. You don't want to kill those useless cards. You want to be killing Eldrazi Displacer and Drown or Hope, right? Um so I think that, uh, or even, you know, Sky Sovereign or Copter. There's, right, there's the cards that are actually going to yeah, win them the game. Yeah, and it feels bad to trade a, a removal spell for a, you know, one of the removal spells for this four-mana kind of two-three weak thing that can't really do anything in combat. Um, so I, I think it's good. I think that uh, Panharmonicon does want it, even without when you don't have Panharmonicon out, it still provides value. And it's it's going to, Rebel will pick something off, and um, the blue card will, will draw you a card at least. Though, my, my thought was also, if you tap Panharmonicon, it opens it up to being exiled by Nahiri. Hey. So if the Marvel decks are still uh, floating <laughs> around, that was one, one thing that came up, was that, yeah, Nahiri can't exile Panharmonicon. So yeah, those are the rel uh, the Quicksmith cycle. I'm looking forward to seeing if we get uh, other others in the cycle. Um, should be good. So our next card is a Johnny Unyielding. This is white-green four, uh, with, comes in with four loyalty. Uh, you plus to it, reveal the top three cards of your library, put all non-land permanent cards revealed this way into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus two is Swords to Plowshares. You get to exile a creature, and its controller gains life equal to its power. And then minus nine is put five plus one plus one counters on each creature you control, and five loyalty counters on each pl other Planeswalker you control. So, Ajani Unyielding, I, I like this card, um... This is not one of those cards that's like, oh, it's, you know, Liliana is just busted. Like, I'm just going to put four of these into any deck in the color and, you know, do really strong things with it. Ajani reminds me of Ajani Mentor of Heroes, which was uh, in standard back in, like, I think Theros, the Theros block. And Ajani Mentor of Heroes ended up being a one or two of in the Obzon decks, where in these mid-range mirrors in the late game, you would be able to play an Ajani and then you'd be able to kind of break parity um, because it allows you to keep uh, drawing more gas it allows you to uh, have a threat that your opponent can't really interact with because it had a decent amount of loyalty um, and this Ajani I think fulfills a similar role where you play it late it has six loyalty if you take it up right um, so you're going to end up making it so that you know assuming you have creatures because I think this belongs in a deck with a lot of permanence since that's what it's taking up does uh, I think that it's going to be hard to kill this right away so you're probably going to get you know a couple activations out of it so this allows you to keep drawing gas in the late game exile their stuff right if you have this against emrakul i mean you're going to give your opponent 13 life but if this is high enough loyalty they're not going to be able to do anything they can take your turn tick down a johnny 
And then on your turn, you get to take down Ashani again and exile Emrakul, which is really nice. And it does exile, not just kill, which is, is good. Um, but again, my concern is just Marvel is much faster than this. And like, there's, there's you know, if, think about what you're doing along the curve. You're playing Ishkana at five mana. That gives me a ton of bodies, right? This behind an Ishkana is really good, but against an Ishkana and that kind of deck that's going to have Chandra to kill blockers and just Marvel is just so... I just don't like that deck, as you can tell. It's, uh, it, I think it's a silly deck. So again, like it's hard to evaluate because this is a, is a kind of, I think, a metagame card where I think that mid-range decks want this. Yep. Um, I think mid-range decks wants it late, but currently we don't have mid-range decks. Yeah, yeah. Delirium's gone, so. Right. No, th- this makes me think a lot of last standard. Like, uh, green-white tokens would love this, Oh, right? sure. Just mid-range, little strong late game, extra ammo. But that is not what we're seeing right now. We'll see about the new standard. But Yeah. If we shift to a, a standard metagame that contains mid-range decks, then I think that Ajani uh, is better than people are giving him credit for. I think that he will be played as a, like a two-of uh, in these uh, green-white X mid-range decks. So next, uh, let's talk about our other Planeswalker, uh, Tezzeret the Schemer. Tezzeret is blue-black two, five loyalty, you plus one him to create a colorless artifact token named Ethereum Cell with tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So you're just making Lotus Petals with his plus one. Minus two, target creature gets plus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts you control. And minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of combat on your turn, target artifact you control becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness five, five. And notice, note that this does not uh, go away at the end of the turn. You're, you're left with a five, five. What do you think of Tez? Well, um, I- I'm looking at a lot of cards in this set, actually, and thinking it would be really fun to build an artifact deck, assuming that they print the support, which it looks like they might since they printed a hate card, which we'll get to later. But um, I think it's important to note the plus one, which gives you an artifact that you can stack to get mana. Nice way to ramp, of course, fixing your colors, whatever you need. Um, but you do have to tap it to sacrifice it. So if you want to use those artifacts for say the quicksmith to deal damage you can't deal damage and then sack it for mana because each of those require tapping and if you want to improvise so this is our new mechanic for the set improvise um you can tap artifacts basically to pay for mana cost and these are artifacts that you could repeatedly tap to to improvise um, or sacrifice once to get mana, but you can't tap to improvise and sacrifice to get, like, two mana out of it. Right. Tezzeret, I'm going to say up front, I, I don't quite know what I think of Tezzeret. I can't confidently say that, oh, I think he's going to be really good or really bad. I think that uh, Tezzeret is a card that's going to have to be playtested in a lot of different shells because it's not clear to me which shell... He is best in, or if that shell exists, it could be that Tezzeret just, you know, sees play in week one as people try him and then fades away forever. Or it could be that he finds a home in a, you know, one or two decks and is really strong in that deck, okay? And, and here are the things that, you know, I'm thinking about when I look at Tezzeret. So four mana, it's a good spot for a Planeswalker. He goes up to six loyalty when he comes down. That's pretty good. Uh, one lower than Narset was. Um, and sure, Narset never saw play, true. Regardless, uh, her very, very high loyalty uh, was was a selling point and something that made it hard to kill her. So high loyalty for Tezzeret, that's a plus. Next, he does protect himself. If you're playing him in a deck 
that uh, is an artifact heavy deck. He can kill something when he comes down. Twice, by the way. He can kill something twice when he comes down. Without dying. Without dying. If you're playing him in a more controlling deck, then you should have control of the board when he comes down, and you don't need to take him down right away. So instead, you get to take up, make some mana, and ramp that way. And then you can take him down to kill stuff if you run out of removal spells as kind of a safety valve or something. And his minus seven is a great win condition. Other things I'm thinking, the artifacts do make any color of mana. So this is, doesn't just provide ramp, it provides fixing, um, which is something which is a little different than Chandra, because Chandra is also a four mana planeswalker that takes up to make two mana. And th those are kinds of the things that are on my mind. Uh, you can also minus two him on your own creature. So I have like, let's say, you know, you have four artifacts, you swing with a sky sovereign, and now it goes up to being a 10-1. That's really good. Uh, so those are things that are floating. I, I am uh, going to hold judgment, reserve judgment on Tezzeret uh, until I get to play with him a little bit because he's just different, in my mind, kind of different than a lot of the other Planeswalkers we've seen. Ajani is a very, very familiar design. Yeah. Uh, take up, card advantage. Take down, removal spell. Ultimate does something, probably going to win the game if you have creatures. One other thing about Ajani is it's actually interesting. If you if you run him in a Super Friends deck and you get off his ult, uh, that can easily cascade, whereas you just alt every one of your planeswalkers, right? Which would be pretty neat. Um, but that's nah, just a side note. Yeah, so whereas Tezzeret's design is kind of different, where he's ticking up and not just producing mana, he's producing artifacts, which are relevant, that you can sack for mana and any color of mana. Tick down is a protection effect, and minus seven is a very good is a, is a very good ability. His alt does go off two turns after you play him. Another yeah. thing to keep in mind. Tickdown is also not just a protection effect. Like you mentioned, it could also be a way to be aggressive or to get through those last couple points of damage or trade in combat. I mean, I, I think he can be pretty flexible, but I, I do think he would be best in an artifact. Like, the theme of the deck has to be, like, artifacts. Yeah, uh, and I'm hesitant. I, I hear a lot of people looking at him and saying, oh, Tezzeret's bad, right? I think that often people don't know how to evaluate things thoroughly. They just jump to saying that they're bad. Um, but I also think that we have to look and see that recently Wizards has been pushing the marquee cards of the set, right? And I mentioned this during our last season as well. Liliana, uh, uh, Last Hope, people said, oh, she's terrible. And ended up being, you know, very, very powerful. Emrakul. <laughs> Emrakul, when he came out, was thought to be maybe unplayable or maybe just a finisher for, like, mid-range decks that went really late. But no, Emrakul was super powerful. Archangel Avacyn, very, very powerful. They're pushing all the marquee cards of the set. So I think it's... I, I'm extra hesitant to say, oh, Tezzeret is bad, when Tezzeret is kind of the primary big bad of Aether Revolt, um, and it seems like this is a card that they might want, want to see played. Sure. So let's take a look at what is the hate card for a potential artifacts deck. Um, this is Consulate Crackdown. It's an enchantment. White, white, three. When Consulate Crackdown enters the battlefield, exile all artifacts your opponent control, opponent's control until Consulate Crackdown leaves the battlefield. So this card, I'm not sure whether this is... <laughs> so I, I think these cards are good, right? Having a card like this is good because if an artifact deck becomes oppressive, you have this as a safety valve. But... Right now, this card is not necessary. What we need is this card that says, when it enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your opponent's graveyard, right? We don't need an artifact hate card currently. We need a graveyard hate card. So maybe Aether Revolt pushes artifact, a pure artifact synergy deck over the edge. And if it does, I'm really happy we have this. Um, otherwise, I hope we get graveyard hate is all, yeah. all I'm saying. 
Yeah, but I, I think this is a fun omen for things to come because between this, the improvised mechanic, Tezzeret, who has all these artifact abilities, like it really looks like they're pushing an artifact deck. Well, in I, <laughs> I don't know whether they're pushing artifacts or they just mistakenly think that artifacts are going to be the thing to do and then R&D has again screwed up the standard metagame and found out that, oh, it's actually not artifacts, it's the graveyard, right? Yeah. So, it, you know, and they've misevaluated so many key cards that have warped standard. They Reflector Mage, they did not test for standard at all. Emrakul, they <laughs> didn't try to ramp out quickly. They just assumed, oh, it would be, a, you know, a late game card, whatever. Um, things like that, they never tried to put Rally into a four-color deck because they assumed players wouldn't be that greedy with mana bases. So okay. uh, we look historically, all these cards that have warped the standard metagame around them uh, Wizards has misevaluated. So I'm worried that, on the one hand, this is great if we go into artifact heavy world. Um, the downside is this if we don't get an artifact deck, this card tells me that Wizards thought that artifacts were going to be very, very good and they needed a safety valve. And if that doesn't happen, it just shows me they again misevaluated things. And we need a graveyard one, not an artifact one. Yep. What's next? Heart of Quran. Heart of Kron is two mana legendary artifact vehicle. It is a semi 4 4, right? When it's crewed, it's a 4 4. It has crew three, flying vigilance. You may remove a loyalty counter from a planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kron's crew cost. Right, so I think this card is really exciting. Uh, crew three is a lot, right? When we think about vehicles that are seeing play in standard right now, we have Copter, which is crew one, and it's looting for you every time it attacks or blocks. Or we have. Uh, Sky Sovereign console flagship, which is crew three, but when it enters the battlefield, it has an effect. And every time it swings, it's hopefully blowing up a creature. More value. So this doesn't have that kind of value when it attacks or blocks, and it's expensive to crew, but this ability to crew it with planeswalkers, I think is so cool. They introduced the vehicles last last set, said, okay, you can use creatures to crew it. And now they're introducing a new way to crew vehicles. And in this case, it's Planeswalkers. And I think this is exciting for planeswalkers like Ajani or Nahiri, where you tick up two and you could um, crew Heart of Quran twice and just go back to the starting loyalty. It has vigilance, so you can swing and then it's still awake, or you can wake it up again to defend the planeswalkers that you have. So I definitely see this in a planeswalker heavy deck because crew three for just a 4 4 flying vigilance is not great, but I think you know, use half of a planeswalker's tick up to protect itself with a giant flying creature is a pretty big deal. I, I'm super stoked about this, but I don't know how much play the planeswalkers are going to see or if they're going to see play together or, yeah. Yeah, I think that people have looked at, yeah, the crew three is just such a downside for this. Yeah. Like, you're, if, if you want to put this into the kind of deck we've been seeing vehicles in, so you've seen like you said, Copter, right? Copter is the primary vehicle. Copter is super pushed. It's very, very powerful. Um, I think that Copter is better than this because if you, in oh, yeah. that kind of aggressive deck, because any creature off the top lets you crew Copter, right? That's not true of Heart of Quran. Crew 3 is is actually like a, a somewhat challenging thing to meet. Definitely. Um, and if you're already tapping three power worth of creature, four power worth of attack is like not a big exactly. advantage. Additionally, this is a legend, which means... I can only have one on the field, so I'm not going to auto-run like four of them in a deck <laughs> sure. like I get to do with Copter. So I think you're right in that if this sees play, it will be in a Planeswalker deck. 
a deck with a lot of planeswalkers that can use that second thing to crew it because otherwise it's not good i think it's good yeah. if you're using it to protect planeswalkers um, yeah and, and that's it i kind of like the idea of it in a control deck because it sort of has one of the features of a control creature which is just that it's like kind of hard to kill because it is a vehicle i don't i don't like it in a control deck really Contro no this is like this is really easy to kill like grasp of darkness kills it harness lightning pretty much kills it um you can kill it with stasis snare it dies to everything yeah fragmentize kills it i think yeah you want something resilient and like you can't even use it unless you have creatures and control decks your thing could should be able to win by itself while hopefully providing value so like torrential gear or help. planeswalkers which you almost definitely have yeah if i have a planeswalker i don't need this to win right i'm already winning yeah but you might need this to protect it i have a control deck <laughs> i think that your tools to protect planeswalkers are way better than this if you're a control deck right. um so i don't like this in a control deck uh i think it's fine if you're in a, like a planeswalker mid-range deck so next up we have a card that we mentioned earlier battle at the bridge which is black x it has Improvise, so your artifacts can help cast the spell. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one. So target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. You gain X life. Super cool. The art on this is Tezzeret. It's supposed to be played in an artifact deck with the Planeswalker Tezzeret. I just see a beautiful <laughs> field full of Tezzerets. Nice. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I think, again, you might be right that that wizards misevaluated standard but they're definitely pushing an artifact theme here this card is super cool like tapping your stupid puzzle knots and your little tokens that are supposed to make mana and your clues to kill creatures and gain life um and it's flexible right in the early game if you just have a couple things out maybe you're black white you have a clue from a three inspector um, you have a couple extra mana open, or even if it looks like you don't have mana open, you can be tapping your artifacts and suddenly, well, it's not an instant. It is a sorcery. This is on your turn. I, I like the flexibility of artifacts or mana to pay for this. I like the life gain. I, I like this card, but it needs a shell with artifacts. Um, yeah. So I'm going to assume you are running this in a shell with artifacts. Uh, I think that in that shell, this card is very good. Uh, I think that so first, just to comment on Improvise, I really like the Improvise mechanic. It's Convoke, but for artifacts. Um, and it's a, I think of it as almost a, it's a fixed affinity, right? Where affinity, part of the reason it was broken is because it was this free cost reduction thing that everything repeatedly reduced cost and you could just dump your whole hand, right? Um, if you have a critical mass of artifacts. But this makes it so that it's basically affinity for artifacts, but the artifacts can only be used once per turn for that affinity value. So I, I like Improvise as a fixed affinity and a way to do a cost reduction without breaking the game. Um, and I think that uh, this is, yeah, it's just a really good removal spell and the gaining life is awesome. That's going to that's gonna be a really good part of this card. Um, life gain stapled onto an already powerful effect is, is very nice because it's going to allow you a cushion, a bit, a bit of a pillow to survive another couple turns. Um, I think in modern, this could actually see play in Lantern Control. Um, because it is cheap. Lantern has a ton of artifacts they play. It's a good kill spell. It gains them a bunch of life against burn. Um, I, I think this card is good. Nice. Next up, Dark Intimation. This is red, black, blue, two, sorcery. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, then discards a card. You return a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand, then draw a card. When you cast a Bolas planeswalker spell, exile Dark Intimations from your graveyard, that Planeswalker enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. So uh, not so subtle sign that 
Nicol Bolas is coming in the next set. They are intimating uh, strongly uh-huh, that uh-huh. Bolas is in the next set. This card, I've, I've heard wildly different evaluations of it. I've heard people say, <laughs> this card is great. This card is a four for one. Uh, mm-hmm. And other people say this card is way too expensive for what it's doing. I, I err on the side of too expensive. I think you, I'm not paying five. Like, yeah, technically, they're sacking a creature, discarding a card. That's two. You return one to your hand and draw a card. So that's four. So you're paying, getting four value, four cards worth for one card. The problem is that if you go through and look at these, sacking a creature, okay, you're... You, Thraven Inspector is a very good popular card. Um, there's a lot of bad creatures that like, see, like are good because they have ETBs and are not good once they're on the battlefield. So I don't think the second creature is fantastic. Discarding a card. If you're playing this on turn five, maybe you're hitting something good. Maybe you're not. Maybe they have just an extra land that they can just chuck and don't really care. Uh, so like again, kind of hit or miss. You return a creature, plans card from your graveyard to your hand. This mandates that you have one. Um, so, you know, you have to have some setup. Uh, if I don't have a creature Planeswalker from playing this in a control deck, I don't know if I'm going to have a creature in my graveyard. I don't even know if I have a Planeswalker. Maybe my Planeswalker is still on the battlefield. Um, so that that is, again, iffy. Draw a card, yes. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Five mana, draw a card. One value, one card's worth of value there. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, because all of these things are so iffy that it seems like... I don't think it's going to be a four for one realistically. I think realistically it's going to be worth about a two for one, a two or maybe 2.5 or something. I, I would have to play with it and, and see how often it ends up being good. I think this is a card you should test. Um, this reminds me a little of Silumgar's Command, where I loved Silumgar's Command. In Grixis Control, Silumgar's Command is a one of or a two of in the deck was fantastic. Yes, it was really expensive. It was dumbly costed. It was like five mana for... Uh, these abilities but in the flexibility that it provided was huge and as a it just it provided so much card advantage and so much flexibility and like even if it was only just like a two for one at that point in the game it was it was still really good and i think dark intimations could fill a similar role but i think you definitely have to test it because it's not as flexible as silumgar's command is um and you know i think that if this sees a lot of play i think i think we should keep this card in mind next set because when belas comes in we're going to see how important that additional loyalty counter is mm. on, on Nicol Bolas. Yeah. Our next card is Pia's Revolution, Red 2 Enchantment. Whenever a non-token artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to your hand unless target opponent has Pia's Revolution deal three damage to him or her. So this card, to me, uh, harkens back to Aetherios from Theros. Aetherios was a card that a lot of people thought was going to be really good, and it was just pretty terrible. I think there is a difference. I think that Aetherios doing the same ability with creatures versus Pia's Revolution doing this with artifacts. I think Pia's Revolution is the like more breakable-ish card. I think that zero mana artifacts are artifacts that sack themselves and die. Um, just having the ability to either gain the value of getting that card and then getting whatever value that card provided again is nice, or it's just a bolt, right? You get to bolt them. The question is whether that ability is worth a card. Um, three mana is like a fine cost. It's not great. It's fine. Uh, and it, I don't know if it's worth a, a, a full card out of my deck for this ability of like giving my option, my, my opponent the option to either bolt themselves or give me a card back. 
it might just be a little too slow. It might be one of those punisher mechanics where they're just going to choose what's best for them and nothing's going to really work. Yeah. I mean, it's also pretty easy to pick off if we think that a lot of people are going to be running Fragmentize. It is just a three-cost enchantment. And um, I don't know. I was sort of looking at this and thinking again about Scrap Heap Trawler. They're they're sort of anti-synergistic because you'd rather have Pia's Revolution bring it back because then it can bolt them unless you want to guaranteed bring something. I don't know. Um, they're, They're great together because when the Trawler dies... It's going to bring something with a lower cost back, and then either it's going to deal three or it's going to bring a self back with Pia's Revolution. I think they work well together. Yeah. I mean, this sort of, again, this is like an engine for artifacts, an engine for recurring them, having a lot of them, keeping them on the battlefield. Yeah. I I just, we haven't seen the artifacts yet to support it, but... Could be two pieces of the puzzle right there. Yeah. Trawler and Revolution, who knows. So next up, we have a card that I think is really... uh, very good, very efficient. Uh, disallow, blue, blue, one, instant, counter target spell, activate ability, or triggered ability. This is a functional reprint of Void Slime, uh, except that it is blue, blue, one instead of blue, blue, green. This card is, is really nice. This gives us a replacement to Void Shatter. Um, mm. Sure, Void Shatter exiles, and sometimes you might still want that. But I think overall, Disallow is probably going to be better. Disallow allows you to counter Emrakul's triggered ability and just kill Emrakul later on. It allows you to counter an activation of Aetherworks Marvel. It allows you to counter emblems of Planeswalkers. It allows you to counter uh, Drowner of Hope triggers if you really want to do that. Um, it's just, it's so flexible. And this the kind of flexibility on a three-mana counterspell is what we need from our counterspells because our counterspells have been very lackluster recently. And this is at least a step in the right direction. I think this is interesting to compare to Summary Dismissal because Summary Dismissal is blue, blue, two. So it's one additional mana, but you don't have to choose between countering the spell, the ability, or uh, activated or triggered ability. You just counter everything that's on the stack. Um, exile, too. You exile. And exile, which may be relevant. So you think about facing down Emrakul, right? A little bit easier to leave up three mana instead of four. But do you counter the 13-13 flying creature or do you counter their Mind Slaver ability? I think you still bring in... like Summer Dismissal is still a sideboard card that you bring in against Emrakul decks. But Disallow it allows you to run mainboard like hate against these kind of oppressive effects, right? Where you just, instead of Void Chatter, you run this. And now you just gain so much flexibility. Uh, from this card. So I, I really like Disallow. Yeah. I don't know. Again, we'd rather have Void Shatter, which exiles Emrakul. Well, there's not a lot of no, green, we don't, black the, the Emrakul's problem, like a 13-13, I can deal with a 13-13. Like, you can you can jump it for a good... Well, you can't as Trample. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, you have Stasis Snares. If you have card draw, you can look for a Stasis Snare. Like, there's ways to deal with that. And, like, I, I don't mean to play downplay how good that is because, like, it's very powerful, right? It ends the game in a turn or two. Um, but the thing that wrecks you is the trigger. If you counter the trigger, like, I mean, you're, you're probably playing around Emrakul. So if they have an Emrakul, like, you, you're hopefully holding a removal spell for it. And if you can counter the trigger, you're fine. It's just going to be a two for one instead of a six for one um, using the trigger. So I, I'm happy to do that. And, and I think the difference between three and four mana is very real in a control deck for yeah. a counter spell. Even in a blue-white flash deck which is not quite a control deck but you really care about tempo it's yeah. a lot easier to leave up three mana definitely uh next we have oath of ajani this is green white legendary enchantment when it enters the battlefield you get a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and planeswalker spells cost 
uh, one less to cast. Unfortunately, I don't think this is great. I- I'm excited to see a two-color oath. I'm excited for Johnny to join the Gatewatch. Green, white are my favorite colors to play. But I sort of, I look at this, I, I feel like I would have loved this in green, white tokens. tokens. Because you played a lot of Planeswalkers. Getting them out earlier would be even better. And, and you had a bunch of t- creatures. Right, so... Tokens. Right, making those 1-1 flyings a little bit bigger could be a big deal. But there aren't, like, a lot of, like, token-heavy decks or, like, this isn't isn't in the right colors for those. And if you're getting out a lot of creatures, right, not tokens, but, like, playing out creatures that all cost mana, then that's going to take a lot of turns. And by then you already have the mana to play a Planeswalker. Like, I just, I don't think it really serves both roles well. Yeah, the card is awkward because... You like the two ways to look at this or say either well these two abilities are counterproductive right like I want to play it early for the planeswalker uh, reduction or late for the plus plus one counters um, and you say well therefore it's bad because I can't do both it fights itself or you can say well no I'm supposed to use like pick one and actually this is just a really flexible card it's good both early and late but I don't know if like it's worth a card early and late. Like, if I I wouldn't just play this for its buff, I wouldn't probably just play this for its Planeswalkers. So I think that if this card sees play, it is in green-white tokens. It's like there's a (laughs) green-white tokens deck that runs... Yeah, and it doesn't have to be tokens, green-white mid-range or whatever, that runs, like, uh, decent creatures, things like Advocate or Grim Flare, maybe and then runs it runs the new Gideon Ajani. and Nissa and things like that, because that way you're, you're getting a decent amount of value off of everything. But again, that means we need a mid-range deck, so... We'll see. Yeah. It's just not obvious that mid-range decks are going to be able to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, last two cards are the uh, two new masterpieces. We have Paradox Engine, which is a five-mana legendary artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all non-land permanents you control. Ah! This... Okay. So, I know I've been talking about artifacts, like, nonstop, but I really have this dream of a whole bunch of artifact creatures that have improvised, and then you, like... Cast a creature with improvise, untap all your artifacts. Cast a creature with improvise, untap all your artifacts. Like, like there, there can just be this huge engine going, right? And if you have artifact recursion, ways to draw cards, ways to... I mean, this is like... Yeah, for me, I'm thinking about this more in terms of Cryptolith, right? I think that you get to go, uh, you know, play Cryptolith, right, with something like Duskwatch Recruiter, where you say, okay, I'm going to pay... Uh, three mana, find a creature, cast a creature. Pay three mana, find a creature, cast a creature, and go through your deck and like cast everything. Um, or you need some spell-based deck that is just a whole bunch of cantrips to kind of break this. Um, but I, I don't know how good it is because like that Cryptolith Right deck already has a win con in Brood Monitor, and hmm. I, I guess like this just gives it a little more flexibility because it is that you need Brood Monitor plus Cutthroat plus Displacer, so it's you know plus Right itself. So um, or I guess you don't need. Cryptolithray specifically to do the combo, but um, you know, Paradox Engine can build in some more redundancy, uh, more combo finishes for that deck. So maybe that that sees some play. Yeah, I guess there there are a couple downsides. Of course, um, it is five mana, which is a lot. A legend. But hopefully, when you play it, you know you can do stuff the turn it comes down, since you can tap artifacts, probably including itself. But yeah, it's a legend too, so you really, really don't want to see... I mean, you wouldn't want to see two anyway, but you can't even get any value off playing an extra artifact, so... This is... I think this is only good with... Like a combo-y Yeah, Yeah. you need Cryptolith, right, to make this good. Yeah, agreed. All right. Planar Bridge is the last one. This is six mana, also legendary artifact. Pay eight, tap, search your library for a permanent card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. 
I I love it. I love it. I don't look. I don't know if it's gonna see play or not. Probably won't. But I I love it. Oh, this is such a this is such the dream. You get to get like uh, in a control deck, sit there, and then on that you know if they don't do anything, you just pay eight and get a planeswalk, get an Ugin, right? Or an Ugin equipment, get Nickel Balas. I I really like it. Uh, or you pay eight and ah. Uh, like in uh you get you get like a combo piece you get a drowner a displacer to combo off um uh, realistically like it's it's very expensive you're paying six mana for nothing an artifact that does not impact the board when it comes down and then you need eight mana to actually get anything but like that eight mana ability is very very strong you just get any card from your deck and put it onto the battlefield that's really really good it's really cool i mean so you can go the route where you're trying to get things that are more expensive than the eight so things like emrakul that you're paying eight for instead yeah i think ulamog is a better target um, oh yeah absolutely it'll just kill them in two attacks right so you can do things like that i mean if you're in desperate straits you can go get uh exile enchantment removal like you can get any permanent it's so flexible yeah and it's just provide like over multiple turns this is just so much card advantage where you're right. getting a free car a free like the free best <laughs> possible draw in your deck you're getting every turn right like it's not just oh i'm building up card advantage it's that i'm getting the best card in my deck for this game state i'm in every single turn uh and ideally you're doing it for eight men at the end of your opponent's turn so i think it's really good i think that you could see it see play in modern tron yeah i was thinking um, something like tron you want you want ramping to replace eye of ugin uh, because it lost that card in the banning and can't uh, fetch up its its ugans and stuff now hmm. but yeah i realistically it's so this might see a little bit of play in a combo deck or a control deck but probably not um but i i still really like it i think it's a cool a mm-hmm. cool card what if you had that and paradox end in, and then you were able to untap it and use the ability twice oh yeah with cryptolith right you get to go uh we have to cast a spell though so you need some way to draw cards that wouldn't work yeah but that's cool last thing i want to mention before we go tezzeret master of metal which is the planeswalker uh pack <laughs> planeswalker deck tezzeret just keep in mind uh these deck these cards are supposed to be uh designed to not be competitive um this one you can play it for six mana uh, so it is blue black four five loyalty reveal uh, plus one reveal cards from the top of your library to reveal an artifact card put that card into your hand the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order minus three target opponent loses life equal to the number of artifacts you control minus eight gain control of all artifacts and just target opponent controls i think paying six mana and minusing three is a possible to just kill them uh if you play in an artifact deck this could actually be a finisher for an artifact deck so i just think that we should uh, keep this card in the back of our minds even though it's not supposed to be competitive if i play you know metalwork colossus style deck i just flood with artifacts being able to go six mana i win is nice uh so something to keep in mind and that's it for today, folks. Uh, we're going to be back with more spoilers um, from Ether Revolt, where the spoilers season actually really starts in earnest this week. They cut it down, I think, to one week this year instead of two. Um, so we're looking forward to, to taking you through everything else that comes out. Um, but for now, I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And this is Spoiler, spoiler Season. season.